Hi, I'm Danny. And I'm Damika. And we're biracial unicorns. And our mood ring stays black. Like 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 all the time. Like, <laughs> like our, our souls. souls. Like our souls. Did you have a mood ring? Did you ever have a mood ring? I fucking oh, here we go. I've already cursed. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking loved mood rings and mood jewelry as a kid. I thought it was the coolest thing. <laughs> I was I agree. really into it. And you knew it was a scam, but you just oh, yeah. couldn't help it. It's kind of like horoscopes. Yeah. I'm going to read a horoscope and I'm going to enjoy it for the entertainment value. It's not that I believe it. It's the same thing with like a mood ring. I don't believe that it's telling me my mood. I know it's temperature controlled, but <laughs> they're awesome. I really like I'm them. I'm a big fan. I am. I know I would go down to like Birdland, which is like super hippie crazy mm. store on Central Avenue. And I they have mood ring everything and I'm a complete and utter sucker they would see me coming and I really, really don't care. I had one that was like an eyeball in the <gasps> iris changed color. I had one where it was like a little face, but the face had an afro and the afro was the mood ring part. Yes. 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 I The day I lost that ring, a part of me died with it. I was very, very sad about it. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of mood rings, but ours stays black because we're just, we're so cold. We're so cool. Yeah. But definitely like my soul, like my soul. How was your week soulless, Danny? It was it was good. It was long. It was a lot of things. But I feel like that's every week. And Mm. at least now it's starting to get a little warmer. Oh, seriously, a little bit. I mean, it's cold and then warm. We're in that time of year where the weather doesn't know what it wants to do. How was your week? Girl, it was like snowing and sleeting off and on all this week. And so where I live. If you go up further north in England, they're just like, oh, yeah, this is just our lives. We don't see the sun and it's always cold. But they're, you know, fairly good attitude about it. But where I particularly live, they're not quite used to it. They can do rain. But girl, you should see these full. You would think they were desert dwellers. They act a lot like desert dwellers. The week before it's predicted to snow, they throw salt everywhere. Like they're a mm. thug in the club. They're like everyone just tossing salt everywhere, right down on the ground. Every Everywhere is super hella salty because they don't want anyone to slip and fall because that's just everyone walks. And so they don't want any elderly slipping on anything. But dude, mm. I was talking to a friend of mine who works at one of the um, local garden centers. I guess somewhere she used to work, they just wouldn't salt because check this out. If you're in front of an establishment and you slip on salt, you can sue the establishment, the company. But if there's Uh. ice in front of it, but if there's ice in front of it and they slip, it's called an act of God and you can't do anything about it. The shade. That is so shady. That's Isn't that terrible. That's <laughs> terrible. terrible. They're like, oh, I've slipped, broke my hip. It's back to God. I'm like, well, no, that's why no one wants to worship God here. He keeps making people <laughs> slip and fall on the ice. This is awful. He's a, he's a vengeful God. Apparently. ice. Just I, he's an iceful god. That's awful. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't. I don't mean. Sorry. To be I'm. I'm not trying to make you be blasphemous. I swear. No. 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 That's. It, it was, was ridiculous. But it, it's the English who are doing it. Sorry. Sorry. The English. Well. I, so you're cursing and I'm offending the country. This is going to be a really solid podcast. Today. Yep. Just but. you know, hitting it hard, hitting it strong. Yeah. Right out yeah. the gate. Mm-hmm. Strong like my tea. Because guess what? This country is trying to kill me with another illness. But (laughs) it will not break me. It will not break me. They're trying to get all the desert out of my lungs. And uh, but it won't break me, Danny. I'm here and I'm I'm excited because we have a really awesome, awesome question. This question was asked to me in person, so I've done my best to try to transcribe it. But my apologies to the person who asked me if I slightly say it wrong. It comes from a a white guy and his question and and this is why it's important you'll see i'm not just like white people (laughs) there's a reason for me me establishing that it's a white man this guy wants to know as an ally should i call out people on social media is it helpful or triggering should i wait and take it offline or is talking about it online where other people can see it important so this is like kind of a, a multi-layered question. It so is. It's really layered. It's talking about 
being an ally, an ally's place, particularly on social media and being Mm -hmm. sensitive to people of color on social media, but also acknowledging like that wider lurking audience on social media, like is, is calling people out important enough to do on social media that you should do it because, you know, it's going to ripple and impact other people. Like, I feel like you're probably not going to change somebody's mind by arguing with them on social media, but you might like spark something in someone else who reads it, I guess, is is the attitude behind this question. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know what, I know I probably sound incredibly negative because social media uh, is such a powerful tool and I have seen it do some some amazing good in this world. I really have. But something like that, because I just had an experience with it just a few months ago. I don't know. I feel like the the negative, the outlash that could come with it really kind of outweighs any possible good, because I really do believe in that particular environment, you're going to be around a lot of people whose minds aren't going to be changed. In my experience, I feel like people who pose questions or say things or make statements or articles out loud, A, already quite firm in what they believe enough to post something, especially if they're doing it in a way of, this is how I feel. You all need to get informed. Um, There's not, hey, can I get some feedback or some reaction or what do you think? You know, I, I would say a lot of people are not online to get their minds changed. And most of the time, if you, within that following of that person, they're going to have a lot of people who have like-minded ideals of themselves. Mm. Well, I mean, that absolutely is what happens, right? That's mm-hmm. no secret with the algorithms of what you even see on social media. Yeah. It's it's mostly just echo chambers, though I have a few, a few friends who have like a couple of people that they engage with who have radically different opinions that always post on all of their shit. And I mm-hmm. guess they just see each other's posts because they engage with each other so much. But for the most part, I feel like anybody whose posts you actually see on social media are going to have the same views as you. Mm-hmm. For me, I recognize I'm also probably not the best person to answer this question since Facebook is dead to me. Um, <laughs> even though I still look, have a Facebook look, account. Girl, and look how young your skin looks. Look how refreshed mm. you are in life. Look just you're gonna like, <laughs> live much longer than most people because you don't have Facebook or it's dead to you. I feel very jaded about these conversations happening online. And I know the mm-hmm. irony of it is not it's not lost to me since that's essentially what we're doing is we have a whole yeah. podcast where we talk about these issues and put it online. Oh yeah, totally. But- <laughs> it's uh, get out break out the irony violin. Is there such totally. a thing? Yeah, totally. Done. But mm. here's the thing is I feel like social media is not a great place to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. I think they lack the depth of an in-person conversation. So Mm -hmm. I think one of the best things anybody can do, ally or person of color, is have conversations in person, right? In real life. Like you do something that I think is pretty cool, Damika. And this is kind of where the idea for the podcast started coming from is you kind of put yourself out there on social media to talk about these issues and you invited people to meet up with you in person to have mm-hmm. like an in-depth conversation. And I feel like that is that is the way you're going to change hearts and minds. One-on-one connection with somebody and have an actual in-depth conversation. In person, it's so much easier to be respectful. So people are a little bit more open to actually hearing what you have to say rather yeah, than are, online where it's just trapped. like fuck this i disagree <laughs> you're trash yeah there, there it, well there is when when you can see and look into the eyes of someone you know what i mean and there's so much to go about tone and experience and and i understand like and we're going to go a little bit into about like the knee-jerk reaction in feeling like, first of all, to the person who had this question, like kudos, like you obviously see some garbage online and it is upsetting you. And, but I, 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 I do tend to agree with Danny as well on this, on this one. I've been jaded. I just, it is such a delicate line where you can't understand tone, background and intention. Mm. 
Yeah. With, with that, because even the person who might have be putting something that you find offensive can actually not even see it that way. And once again, you'll never understand that in the blanket and, you know, being anonymous and toneless of the internet world. And I really do, if at all possible, to meet people face to face, it is life changing. It is also challenging. And whether you're an ally or, you know, you are both of the same race, I think that is the most healthiest, productive output you can. If you can't meet in person, even a direct message would be really great. But what I will say is, would it be really fantastic for me to see, which I actually don't see a lot, is for someone to have an opposing view of you, have that one-on-one conversation. And then what would be great to see is the resolve. I would love to see resolves. Mm. I would love to see. I don't... I would just be like on social media to be, you know, um, I slightly had that with someone with a social media um, thing, kind of talking about a double standard. And we can probably talk about that later in another episode. Long story short, just putting the resolve of being like, you know, we grabbed a coffee, we talked one on one, we brought up these issues, I kind of understood where she was coming from, you know, she she apologized for this, or, you know, having that back and forth and put that out into the world. Mm. I would love to see, a, you know, wouldn't it be so amazing to see more people like, uh, you know, this guy's a Trump supporter. I don't agree with that. And I brought that to him and he brought me his feelings. And even if we don't say, you know, now we agree, seeing that resolve and having more examples of that. That's something really funny that I hadn't thought about before. We, because we're consuming like each other's lives and these little snippets mm-hmm. in an ever refreshing feed of <laughs> whatever that was so poetic <laughs> we, we never, I love that oh yeah yeah but no I think we see these things constantly just scrolling through them and we don't actually they're just snippets of a story right we don't see like mm-hmm. the the results of things that happen like occasionally you'll do you'll see something like a follow-up I, I like that idea of calling someone out on their shit having like some sort of discussion that leads to some sort of resolution and sharing that resolution love that in theory in practice it's like almost impossible to do because we we don't we don't control who sees our stuff online really Mm -hmm. right so i have a whole thing with with social media and Facebook and how I hate it and feel like I don't even want to engage with anybody or have a conversation because it just makes me angry and makes me lose respect for people. And I feel like if people really wanted my opinion, then we, they should bring it up in person. And that's, I mean, I guess that's just me and maybe I'm, I'm old and I don't get social media, (laughs) (laughs) but But I I guess I just feel very differently about it. But on the other hand, like, I do like using the internet as a place to have, like, deep, meaningful conversations like that. Like, I like Mm -hmm. doing this podcast and having our conversations. But this is probably going to be a bit divisive uh, saying this. But I'm a pretty big Redditor. uh, Mm. And that's, like, not a challenge to find me on Reddit. (laughs) <laughs> but, but is that a I thing? know is, that, like, is this a divisive thing? I feel very. I unhip. think it, it is. Well, I feel like there's a lot of people who really don't like Reddit, and there's a lot of toxicity that's in Reddit. A lot of shitty oh, things there? that have happened because of Reddit. Oh no! But here's the thing: is I feel like there's a lot of really great subreddits where there's okay. like really good conversations happening, and I feel like. For the most part, at least in these particular subreddits, there's a real willingness to have a conversation with somebody whose views are very different from your own. And it doesn't Mm. have that added baggage of who they are. You're not like fighting with your uncle or something on the (laughs) internet. I know your mom's going to be like, you can't use that language on the Facebook. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You can't use that. I don't care how mad you are. Being anonymous in some ways is is dangerous. Like, go to the comment section of, like, any fucking article, and it's just full of trash. It's dangerous in some ways, but I think, like, in Reddit, where it's a community and, like, you're building a persona and you have all these posts and this history, you can have a real conversation with somebody whose views are very different from your own. And they aren't necessarily hidden the way that they are on Facebook, 
And so Mm -hmm. I find like I have better conversations with people on Reddit, which is why I like Reddit and I don't like Facebook. There's too many things happening on Facebook, right? Like there's Mm, pictures and there's posts and it's just become so like so much a part of people's lives, but like in different ways, it's, it's just a mess in my, my point Mm. of view. But like, if I want to go have a conversation or I want to discuss current topics or news or anything. I go to Reddit and I feel like I can have actual conversations and people are a little bit more open-minded and willing to hear what I have to say also. So, so I like, I like anonymous social media, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) And see, I find that quite dangerous, but I need, I haven't dipped my toe into the, the, the Reddit pool. Yeah. So, so I guess my social media experience is a little different. But to go back to the question, um, I feel like if you if you don't mind the fight that's going to happen, <laughs> calling mm-hmm. people out is always a good thing. I would caution to do it respectfully, which I guess I mean, yes. knowing this person, of course he does. But I think particularly on Facebook, if you're not respectful, that shit's just going to get deleted anyway. Yeah, so, exactly. And so many people are watching as well. I mean, and I don't find it particularly triggering to see those conversations when I encounter them. Other people might find it triggering, but I do find it a little obnoxious. <laughs> So, I mean, I roll my eyes a lot, which is also why I can't get on Facebook because I feel like it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of echo chamber conversations. It mildly irritates me, but I think my mild irritation is a small price to pay for maybe sparking someone else to consider issues from a different point of view that they haven't. The danger, I think, as an ally is not coming off as being a representative does that make sense Mm -hmm. like yeah like you can express a point of view but like i think there it's a slippery slope between like being an ally and calling people out on their shit and then like trying to be Mm -hmm. a representative or a savior for people yeah it's really difficult because it's one of those things of like we don't for being for being an ally uh, for any marginal group, and that's what we're looking at—someone who wants to, who's not necessarily part of that marginalized group, mm-hmm. but wants to be a, a supporter and, and kind of go out there for it. Um, you don't want to kind of have to be like, "I'm going to come here," and um, I like to call it like the dangerous mind effect, which is like they're they um, there's always like some poor, underprivileged group of people, and they need like a white savior to kind of come and make everything better. It's that's kind of definitely how I feel about it, uh, about any kind of allies, really. There's been loads of amazing articles about how to be a really solid ally, which is what I'm from this question. I get like they desperately want to be. That's actually funny. I um, there was uh, this one woman on YouTube, uh, Jessica Lee. It was so upsetting, but really cool as well. I was going in through all my, my points of like what I would look for in an ally and how to be a really good ally. I mean, she's everywhere. She's doing uh, things subbing on MTV. What else is she doing? Her channel is actually quite great. She did this article based or kind of inspired by a uh, Mia McKenzie, the Black Girl's Dangerous book that just came out a little while ago. But she came up with some really great ways on how to be a really good ally. And I was like, dang it, she like got all my points. But it made me feel like, oh yeah, we're we're on. We're on the same like wavelength. So these are not these are not necessarily my points, but they are points that I'm going to cool. back up as far as like what does it look like? And the, I'm so for it. Should we go through them like one by one and and discuss our our thoughts on them? Yes. Are you? Yes. I would love to know your thoughts because cool. I to me I'm I'm for it. I'm totally for it. This the first one. She says uh, understanding your privilege if you're going to be an ally, and I couldn't agree more. I think that's important for everybody. Yeah. Everyone has privileges. Almost everyone has some sort of privileges. Mm -hmm. So I think that's good advice for everybody. It really is. And I'm really tired of privilege being a four-letter word. It really isn't. And you said it correctly. We all have it. We're not taking any way. We're not taking anyone's hard work away from anybody. We're not saying no one's had any Mm. bumps and issues in the road. None whatsoever. But there are each group of people that there's certain issues and heartaches 
that you do not have to think about. And in your life, you should count that as not just a privilege and but you know a blessing going mm. forward in your life. And that that's okay. Acknowledging that I think really opens up your mind. And the reason why it's not like you need to realize your privileges so you can help other people and open doors. It's really a humility and opening your eyes up to others and have understanding of like we are more alike because even though they are different privileges, we are both privileged. Just as that step one of seeing yeah. each other in each other's humanity. And I think I think something that's really important about privilege, and you you kind of touched on it just now, is this idea of recognizing your privilege helps you be able to recognize that other people's life experiences and backgrounds were different from your own. And once you're mm-hmm. able to really open your eyes to that, then you can you just you have a better understanding of how other people work and you're able to be a more empathetic person so it's not it's not like you should feel guilty for having privilege but the idea is not everybody has had the same background or has gone on the same journey that you yeah. have and not discounting other people's life experiences or even worse i think mm-hmm. Maybe this isn't worse, yeah. but I it, it bothers me is like assuming that everyone else has had the same experiences and backgrounds that you have had. Yeah. Like, yes, you know, y- you went to college and you were able to go to college, but you were told like your entire life that you could go to college. Right. Which is very different than someone else whose parents didn't go to college and who didn't go to schools where they were encouraged to go to college and they had to overcome those hurdles. Right. So I think just being able to recognize that not everyone's experience is the same as your experience is a key part of checking your privilege. Definitely. And and it's actually funny in order to actually check your privilege is kind of into the next one. Um, how do you check your privilege is, uh, you know, doing a little work, hearing other people's stories and experiences and listening, mm. like actually listening. You're not for the purpose of take someone to coffee and ask them about their life. And once the awkwardness fades away, because people are not used to that, just listen with no hope of interrupting. If that's your entire time, then that's your entire time. I'm just hearing about their life. So the next one is um, listen, what I just said, and do your homework which I am for. So if there's a particular group that you are like, I really want to support, I'm really behind them, do your homework, you know? Mm-hmm. We just talked about the, the evils of social media. But because of that, there is the good. There are um, articles, real articles, like actually do a little bit of extra work and get some legitimate articles, listen to some really great uh, TED Talks, read some journals about the subject matter. Like for me, equality in marriage, I feel like I still very lack information about that. So I'm going to read and ask questions and dig and be a very well-informed ally. Mm. If you want to be really educated on something, you also can't just count on your own personal circles because we've talked about this before. You know, we tend to surround ourselves with people who are like us. And we talked about it on a previous episode. You should be expanding your friend circles to include different sorts of people so you could get different perspectives. But the reality is most of Mm -hmm. us have friends who are like us and have similar backgrounds, right? So you can't rely on your social circles necessarily to to be your main source of education and information. And you can't rely just on social media. But I have one black friend. I'm going to put all of my need for understanding black culture on one person. It makes so much sense. They will represent everything. As that one person, (laughs) as that one person, please stop doing it. There's so much pressure. I can't handle it. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, so listening is important, but also, like you said, doing other research is important as well. And the internet is great, but also terrible. So, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> Read actual books, watch documentaries, Ooh. like find different mm-hmm. ways to get your known resources. ones, like a legit ones. Yeah, yeah, Re- yeah. you know, and, and recognize that when we're talking about anything like sociological, there it's hard to not have bias, right? So think about who's making these things, oh, yeah. or writing these books, and what uh-huh. perspective they have, and how is it guiding the information that they're sharing. Exactly. And if this is already sounding like too much work, 
then you don't want to be an ally. And that's okay. Like, if that already sounds like too much, like, I'm being dead serious. If that already sounds like too much work, then that's not really your bag. And that's okay. Just be who you are. Just don't be don't a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Try that? to be an empathetic person. But don't go around saying that, that you're an ally without doing the work. Oh, girl. Oh, oh, we're all, we, girl, don't, don't you skip ahead. Don't <laughs> oh, you skip I'm ahead. sorry. I don't right. even know. So the third, I know. So. I know. I know. I just sprang it up on you. But there's another one. I really like this one. It, and I think this one really applies to, I think, especially social media. I think this one, it says, speak up, but not over. Mm. Oh, girl. So I wrote a version of this, but this one was so beautifully put that I'm like, no, I'm, I'm using it. I'm using I'm a, you know, totally stealing this blatantly. When we are online and someone poses a question and you want to jump in and kind of bring up to light someone's hot garbage. There is a way that I have seen several times over, and this is going to sound horrible. I'm not picking on anybody where a lot of, it will just be a, a fight of white people talking about a different marginalized group and trying to correct uh, each other. It's actually, it's not funny, but it is funny. And I'm just like, and there might be like one person of color of any sort or of a marginalized group who might actually speak into it and they will not get listened to or kind of ignored or, you know, they might be accused of being upset or angry. Um, I've seen it. I mean, not just one, multiple times. And I think that's why Danny and I are, our experiences. I don't know if maybe I shouldn't speak for you. That's where I get upset and a bit wary about speaking up online because the thing is you've, you've spoken over someone. You've tried to claim that issue in trying to, trying to do the right thing. I'm assuming you are, I'm assuming. Um, and trying to do that. You feel like you're going to put yourself out there and you're just going to get spoken over anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that was to me, my gosh, like I said, this is for that person. I told you that is in the danger zone. Like you're in mid wokeness. Mm. That this is where you are, boo boo. This is where you you know just enough to be upset about. You see the injustice in the world, but you're not quite there. You haven't quite done your homework. You haven't quite finessed your argument, and you're also kind of forgetting who this is for. And that, that kind of goes into the next point, which is like, um, you'll make mistakes and apologize when you do. I think this this is for everybody. Like, we are all going to have laps in our knowledge in fighting for, you know, social justice and equality. I, I'm learning stuff every day, all the time. I'm like, oop, I had a really negative way of thinking about that. Or, oh, there was a lapse in my knowledge right there. When you're trying to be an ally, you have to remember what you're doing it for, you can't just do it to show off how cool and woke you are. You know what I mean? This is not something you get to kind of like label yourself. This is a a very active thing that you're doing. You're going to make mistakes. And I think it's really important, like I said before, about showing your resolve online. We also need to start publicly apologizing more. I'm not asking you to apologize for oppression and everything that's going wrong with the world. No, I'm saying... Do you know, I think people have, once again, apology has become another four-letter word. It goes along with that humility in our privilege. Me and myself, there have been times, even like when I um, when I first became a Christian, I had very narrow views of people who believed I thought they were all in this bubble and, you know, everything was sweet. They all homeschooled their children, didn't vaccinate, you know, like it was just a very narrow-minded view. And I've had to apologize to people because I really had this preconceived notion of what they were. And I've had to apologize to people. I really thought this was this and this is my viewpoint. And I have said these things and I'm sorry, I am, I am wrong. And I've had to really check my own heart and my own biases and be able to move forward for that. I didn't have to apologize. Yeah. But what's really difficult about, about this is it's, Mm -hmm. it's cultural and it's societal, this Mm -hmm. idea of if you apologize, it's, it's weakness or if you admit you're wrong or if you admit you've made a mistake, right? We live in a society where that is not seen as okay because we want, Mm. and and I think it's in many ways getting worse because people so clearly curate this perception of themselves online and otherwise, like everything is great. I'm doing all these things perfectly. So it's hard to admit when you're wrong or when you do something that's that's not great. And I 
think that that's just something that's naturally going to happen to everyone. It's a natural part of growth Mm -hmm. and being able to admit Mm -hmm. it allows you, opens up that space for you to continue to grow and realize that, oh, I made a mistake or, oh, you know, like the things that I thought before were wrong. And I think we, we've we all, you know, no one is born like a fucking woke person, <laughs> right? Like we've, we, what? I, yeah, it turns out. But I think we all have room for growth and we all have thoughts and feelings that are probably very limited and very biased. So being able to admit when they're wrong is probably the best way to grow into a more complete human being. I I mean, I think Mm -hmm. we all, we all suffer from it though. I've worked very hard as an adult to be able to admit when I'm wrong and and deal with that. So I think like as a, a, like a, adolescent I was very like held on very (laughs) very strongly to always being right (laughs) and like let's be real I'm right most of the time (laughs) but obviously so that's why you're bad at this you just don't have a lot of practice no and and I think it's like differences of of the ways people share opinions or express themselves. Like I research very heavily and like really internalize a lot of, a lot of things. I don't work things out verbally. I have a very hard time verbalizing things. So when I actually say something or put something out into the world, it gets a lot has gone into it on the back end before I put it out Mm. there. And that's why it seems like I'm always right, even though I'm not always right. (laughs) It's a hard, it's a hard skill to learn. Like I think more so than any of these Mm. other steps so far, this one is, is probably Mm. the hardest. It is. Well, because it's a two-way street, isn't it? So not only do we have to work on apologizing, because there is a wrong way to apologize. Mm. And if you need any examples, look at the media we have today. Like, if you need any bad, just ask Kevin Spacey. Ask how – There is nothing not worse, uh, and I don't know if you agree, but what I really hate apologies that are justifications. Like, rather than apologizing, oh, you're like, this yeah. is why I did this thing, or – you know, this is why it happened that way. And it's really taking it off yourself. And it's not an apology. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I see it oh, it's all awful. the time. Um, and particularly with know. like the way people treat each other or do things to each other. They almost always frame their apology in that way where it's like a justification and explaining where you're coming yeah, from. We all want to be justified. Yeah, most people have a reason for doing the things that they do. But I don't need to hear that in the moment that's an apology like if you want to talk about that mm-hmm. later let's but if you're gonna yes because if you're gonna apologize just fucking apologize yeah you definitely need to and that's the thing so we have that we need to be better about how we apologize and then people we need to receive that because you're right people don't apologize because of the backlash and they think because you were wrong about a certain issue you were wrong about everything now, there are some places where that may be applicable, but when it comes to this particular topic, we're like, you know what? I thought one way because of my experience, my resolve, my little bit of research, people, someone called me out, I received it, my mind has now been changed. Our reaction should be, I am so glad your mind has changed. Hoorah, what made you change? Go forward. But instead, we further put salt in the wound and we don't know how to even accept and graciously go on with, wow, I'm, I'm so glad you've changed or your mind has changed because I really didn't agree with you. I thought it was really problematic, blah, blah, blah. But we, we don't. We, we want to further punish. We don't just accept the apology. Mm, but the thing you're is, absolutely we, right. we have to, we don't accept the apology. We want blood. We don't want to apology. And that's where it's kind of everyone's responsibility. Yeah. We have to learn how to accept an apology. No, thank you for saying that too. Like that's an excellent point that it, it has to be both ways. And I know like mm-hmm. I tend to fall on the I want blood <laughs> spectrum of receiving an apology. <laughs> I would have never put you <laughs> on that. Yeah, I would have never put you there like in a million years. You're like a kitten. <laughs> so so that's absolutely right. It's it's both ends for sure on that. 
let's see, I will, I will say this before I move on to this next point for when you're in that moment and you're getting that little gut feeling and it will be a gut feeling that perhaps you have overstepped or you've said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing. Remember this, like your desire for change has to outweigh your desire for approval. Mm, Do you know what it. I mean? Like it has to out. It has to outweigh it. And let me, and that's how I feel like you talked about, like you get so mad with the one-on-ones. For me, I finally got to a place to where my feelings, my anger, and my hurt are heavily outweighed my desire for change. And you really have to figure out why you're even trying to do this. So that, that kind of goes into our very last point for this particular article. It says that ally is is a verb. It's an action thing. You really can't be an ally behind a computer, Mm. never talking to anybody and caring. Like I get it. If you want to be an ally for people in the Congo, like I get it. You can't just go kick it in the Congo. But the thing is just kind of going out and involving things. It is an action. It is a verb. And here's the thing, because it's not a noun. I was talking about this in the article. Was that from the Mia McKenzie book? Anyway, she said it's not a noun. It's not something you can you can self-proclaim and identify as. You can't label yourself, I am an ally. So I get to say XYZ or I'm joking or of course I understand or I have nothing else to learn. I'm already an ally. I'm like, no, you don't get to self-proclaim that. You don't get to sit in that. You get to actively move. You don't get to take breaks. You don't get to just say, oh, this is getting hard. I'm getting backlash. Let me go back into my privilege and just hang it up. If you're going to be in it, be in it. Be in it for the long haul. This whole idea reminds me of if you don't speak up in moments where you see injustice, you're more afraid of confrontation than you are of racism, right? So like, you need to think about that. Mm. Like, in, in, And it's hard in moments to speak up, is, right? Really but I is. mean, like, what mm-hmm. is it that you're afraid of? You're afraid of confrontation. You're afraid mm-hmm. of like being labeled a certain way by other people. You're afraid of starting, starting something. You're afraid of the results of what you're going to say. Really, like you're afraid of all of that more than you're afraid of institutionalized racism or like people like treating mm-hmm. other people as subhuman. That's... I mean, that's a problem. Like, you should really take stock of of what it is that your values are at that point. And I recognize not in every moment do you, are you going to be able to call people out. I mean, we oh, talked yeah. about... Because that'd be exhausting. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit last time, this whole racial fatigue, right? We get so tired of talking about it all the time. And I think as people of color in particular, like... We're just so exhausted. I don't always want to call people out because, one, I'm often not in a situation where I feel supported in that and being able to call people Mm. out. Like if I'm in a room full of white people, I'm not going to call them out on their shit necessarily. (laughs) Right? Like you're alone in this and it's, it's hard. But I think as a white ally, you have the ability to open up that space for someone else. Like you said, it's like stepping up, opening up that space, and then stepping back, right? And allowing other people yeah, to, completely. to fill in that space as well. And I think that that's really important. Exactly. As an ally, the ability to be able to do that. And like you said, it's not, it's not a noun. It's not who you are. It's the actions that you take that make you an ally. Like, you can be the most well-intentioned person who, like, really does care about all people and want want to build this beautiful world and, like, have friends of all sorts of different backgrounds and races and really value all of that. Um, but if you aren't taking the actions in your life to support those people, then you aren't an ally. And it, it's one of those things of I'm not asking you to go and join a woman's march tomorrow and make signs and picket and boycott businesses that are not black owned. Like I'm not asking you to do that. What we're saying is that if you see someone, you know, given some side eye to someone who's a little bit different, maybe call them out. Or someone says something, you know, you're kicking it, having a coffee and someone kind of looks or makes an off color joke. It's these small things that are of that technically are underneath the verb being like, Hey, like what was your motivation behind that? Or please explain what you mean by that. Right. 
it's little tiny things like that every day. Because let me tell you, just like we, um, if you look up the definition of an outlet, they use it more in a technical military kind of sense. But if you take that and and transpose it into what we're doing every day, it is. There's going to be some people who are going to be on the front line, and those are the people who are out there bumping it on the streets, right in front of you know, of, you know, the, the the White House, or knocking down the doors and trying to push bills. Like we have those people, and we have some people who are just been like, yeah, you know, that was a really off color joke. What was your motivation behind that? And changing those people on a one to one level that might have never changed their mind and having that one conversation mm-hmm. with being like, you know, you know, a white person, a white person, like, don't tell me that you didn't grow up with a lot of people of color. I'm in that same boat and I, I still don't do that. So what's up? And having that conversation and opening up that door, that's incredibly powerful, incredibly, incredibly powerful. So from all scopes of people and allies, there is a place, let me tell you, in this fight, there is positions everywhere from every range so don't feel like because you can't be there trying to be you know raising the little black power fist or whatever not everyone can do that but you can still be an ally and uh, I really look forward to more people feeling encouraged that every little bit does count towards marginalized groups you're not gonna change the world with calling one person out on their shit but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't call that person out on their shit, right? It's- yes. Yes. One person still does matter. Feel that power. And just to take <laughs> it all the way back to the question, the beauty of it is it's not just reaching that one person whose shit you're calling out. Other people are going to witness it. And even if they aren't interacting in that moment, it might engage them in a way to think about something from a different mm-hmm. perspective. Mm, totally. Did you read the book and or see the cartoon Ferdinand when you were younger? I know they just did a movie. It's not as good. But, no, I um, don't. Did you read about it? It's like the really friendly bull. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So for those who want, I'll do it very, very quickly. I'm so sorry, but I have to get this off my chest. So it's, it's, um, it was a beautiful book. And of course, they, um, I think like Disney or something like that made into a, a cartoon. And like I said, there was a remake just recently. Um, but it's about this bull that, um, this is, of course, in Spain where bullfighting is incredibly popular. This little bull named Ferdinand who really loves to just smell flowers. One day he gets stung by a bee. Matador saw them, thought he was fierce. Took him to the bullfight, goes, doesn't fight the matador because he's a peace-loving bull, which, of course, I don't know if anyone's ever seen it or knows it. Bullfighting is incredibly grueling. I'm not even going to – yeah, dot. We'll leave it there. It's incredibly grueling, incredibly cruel. And, of course, he does it. The matador gets pissed. Ferdinand lives, gets to go back to his field and sniffs his flowers. I love mm-hmm. that story. But what I thought about, what I thought was very interesting, I just went to Barcelona. For, uh, in Spain, bullfighting still is very much a thing. And, of course, it's a very, like, a political stance about it because of cruelty to animals versus cultural and history. Um, But if you watch it, I've watched documentaries about it. If you see it, they'll do it in slow motion. It's like this beautiful dance. But then you'll have this horrific moment where the matador comes and will slice the bull very strategically in order to, of course, kill it. That's the whole point. And it looks like a dance, but then you can just see blood kind of going in different places So in that, I was like, my gosh, this is what it's like when people try to fight online. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what it's like. You have this instigator. You have this person, the matador, who is prepared. They have come to fight. And the bull, who has no clue, who gets provoked or starts feeling angry, starts interacting with the matador. And all of a sudden, this bull, who just just showed up here, starts becoming part of his dance. And before you know it, he's dead. He's been agitated. And of course, if you watch the, the fans who are on looking, once the bull starts interacting with the matador, they can't help but vote and cheer for the matador. They're, they're asking for blood. You know, like I said, it's very tr- uh, strategic. And before you know it, the bull is gone and dead. But the thing with Ferdinand is when he just stood firm and would not interact with that, all of a sudden the crowd started cheering and going for the bull. They couldn't They couldn't go for the matador. It made no sense to go for the matador. 
And of course, the Matador finally got, there was no honor in that. There was no fight to be had. And that's what he came here to do was to fight and left. I'm not saying just sit there and not say anything. I'm saying stand firm with what you believe in. Be firm in the outcome. And the outcome is to change the mind or bring about peace or to call out something. But when you start interacting with someone who's come to fight, people are going to be looking for blood. When you're online, you have to kind of be very, very aware. Is this going to be something people are drawn to and rooting for me and backing me in my my goal for change? Are they going to side with the matador and mm. looking out for blood? It seems like a lot of pressure, but I just see that so much when I was thinking it. It just completely played out in my head because I have been the person who's come to fight. I have totally been baited and been the bull and I have lost people because they couldn't tell my tone. They couldn't understand where I was coming from and I lost them. And that was the danger of doing it online. But I have done it in a way to where I've shown kind of some, some compassion, was able to have that a little bit of resolve. And hopefully I changed more people along the way. I won't always see the immediate effect. That's the wages of change, isn't it? I don't know. Thoughts? I have conflicting thoughts. <laughs> so on one hand, I, I definitely agree. It's the whole adage of you attract more flies with honey than blood. That's not the thing. <laughs> but now now it is. We finally have a catchphrase that's going to stick. I attract more flies with honey than blood. blood. <laughs> that is not not what it is Done. <laughs> but yeah I think I think in some ways that's true right like you're going to be able to have a real conversation if it's handled in a respectful way but sometimes I think you have to you have to draw blood like you have to fight and like it works for Ferdinand to just stand there because he's big and scary the, the matador is already scared because he's like big and he looks fierce and then he can be his true self and it's fine. But I, if he weren't so big and scary, it would be hard to just stand your ground rather than fight. So I think sometimes people have to compensate and have to go hard because and, and I think that that's that's a big difference, too, between being an ally and being a marginalized person. It's like as an ally, you have that. Mm ability to just be there and exist and like calmly do something whereas like as a, a marginalized exactly. person you don't have you just standing there is like an act of defiance and is already like people might already be cheering for the blood so i i mm. i have mixed feelings about it and i think that sometimes there are situations where it's okay to go hard and to fight hard and you have to. I am I am generally in favor of peaceful, respectful communication. Oh, totally. I think you're completely right though. And I think that's why I was like so much for like for allies, because you're right. Sometimes like my husband and I, because we're a mixed couple, just by us existing really pisses people off. Just us going to sit down somewhere to eat, it really, really ruins somebody's mm. day. Believe me, there's nothing I love more than ruining people's day just by having a meal with my lovely multicolored family. But I do, I kind of see what you're coming from with that of like that. Once again, that's the privilege of being able to come and just being able to have that. And I think that's what is so important about allies. They can have more opportunities to have that respectful conversation. You know what I mean? They have more opportunities to do that as so where maybe you and I wouldn't even be able to even get our foot in the door and have right. that luxury. But I like it and I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on my theory or the yeah. Ferdinand theory effect effect theory. I'm working on it. I'm tired. And like, sometimes I just don't want to be respectful. Like it's exhausting. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, fuck this noise. And I just like, I want to fight <laughs> and I want to fight hard. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Keep refining your Ferdinand theory. We'll come back to it. I will. I will. I'm going to keep, like, I'm going to keep refining it, but it was born here, ladies and gentlemen. But you're right. I do understand the tiredness, but I think that's what's beautiful is that we have that that disagreement. Like, I, I am exhausted. But for me, I think for some people, I'm like, yeah, we need you to go out there and bite some ankles. But I think for me, I've gone to that point because mm -hmm. we're mixed. I have, like, I don't know. And I once again, this might be triggering or divisive. I do have a bit of sympathy for people 
who just, they mean well. You're a more understanding person than I am. <laughs> Maybe it's just a personality. It has nothing to do with me being mixed. Maybe it's just my soul. I just, I see that I'm like, oh, Bobosito, why, why would you say something so horrible? You don't even see how horrible that is. Come here. C- come here. You're ridiculous. And then try. Because the thing is, but everybody gets one. I'm like Spider-Man. Everybody gets one. If you, if you do that, but you still decide to be ignorant, and still live in that, then no, no, then by all means, no, you no longer get peaceful D'Amica. You do get a big black bull. And that's your fault because you had your first one. The first one's free. That's how I feel. That's fair. Well, that was like, I feel like we were very theoretical in this conversation today. People didn't. That's not what they came to listen to today, but that's that's what what they they got. That's what they got today. I think we answered the question. It's going to take a uh, like anything else, it, it you're going to have to really think about what your motive is. What's the motive? Yeah. Is it just to call somebody out or is it to change mm, minds? Right. right. That's what it is. Is it to call it out or to change minds? And from there, you're going to have your answer. Totally. Did that person just piss you off? Are you, are you going to really make an impact and a difference? We don't have very moves in our lives. Use them wisely. It's like chess. You don't have an infinite amount of opportunities and moves. You've got to use them wisely. They have to have the maximum impact. They really do. So Totally. Yeah, I guess that's what I have to say. Mm. There you go. I felt good about that one. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well. <laughs> felt good about that one. Well, let's keep the, those good feelings rolling. Why don't you tell me about yes. your happy place this week, Mika? <laughs> Oh my goodness. You know, what's really hard about this is that we, we actually go like a week and a half, two weeks without talking to each other, which is just far too long. And so between that, I, I tend to have like several ones. I'm like, Oh, things are, things are making me so happy. Like I, I will give this, like, I just learned this today. This is not my happy place, but this is getting an honorable mention. My husband just spent some time with his friend for his birthday and teaching him how to play the guitar. And his friend is really into a genre of music that I've never, it's called dark country. Dark and just country? the sound of it makes me <laughs> yes yes girl apparently it's like it's like it's moody dark minor chord music with like country gun slinging house of the rising sun kind of vibes i literally instantly went to spotify and was just like what is this dark cut because i'm not a massive fan of country i like i understand its importance but not a massive fan but i'm like well dark country and i think i actually <laughs> might be into it I need to dig further. I need to get some legitimate, like real. But I'm like only because it's like dark country, and I it I that gets a like a little a little nod. Like that was almost it. It was almost. But what's the real the real thing? I was okay. So once again, I'm always like a day late and a dollar short and stuff. But I've been watching the new Star Trek on Netflix. It's uh, the discovery it's on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix there. Yeah, I don't think it's on Netflix here. Yes. Oh, what's well, uh, on here? Okay, it's over request here because... though no spoilers because okay. I haven't seen it. Have you not? No, because I mean it's I'm only on it. like their fucking pay to view app, whatever fucking network it's on. Uh, so I haven't seen it at all. I've heard a little bit about it. All right, I'll zip. I'll zip the lip. I, I so here's the thing. So in my life, poor thing, people didn't ask for any of this today. I have overly battled because I feel like in your life you have to pick, and some people are both. Either you're a Trekkie or you're, you know, you're Star Wars. Here's here's my theory about that. Like Star Wars people, oh, yeah. Star Wars isn't mm-hmm. really science fiction. I mean, it is, but it's like it's fantasy. Like it is fantasy in science fiction clothes. Is is the way that I see Star Wars. <laughs> Um, so I think call them out. She's calling out. And I mean, I like I like I like them both. But if I had to pick, I would pick Star Trek. I think it, it's just more science fiction than Star Wars is. Maybe, maybe that's what my my heart. Went. I'm a big fan of both. Don't make me choose between my children. <laughs> but that's what it is. So I actually delayed a long time. Like I didn't want to crack or I didn't want to pop the Star Wars cherries for a long time. I didn't because I'm like, I'd have to pick and I know I'm an obsessive person. Wait, so are you saying that you didn't watch Star Wars for a long time or you didn't watch Star I Trek? I didn't. I didn't. You didn't watch Star Wars I didn't for watch a long Star time. Wars for a long really? time. Really? See, because I'm like, I'm the inverse. 
because I was such a fan of Star Wars, I didn't watch Star Trek for a long, long time. Get out of Dodge. So look at that. Look, our little two halves complete. I just because I like I said, of course, I grew up with the you know the older one, and when I had bad insomnia, there's always a Star Trek on. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter which one you're looking for. There's you can always Trek, and um, and now my husband is trying to. There's oh, which one is he? That we're watching together. Dang it, I can't remember now. Um, but I was like, well, let's crack open into the discovery because it looks really badass. And I'm actually really, I'm enjoying it. And of course, you know, I'm like, the costumes are really nice. I like, I, um, <laughs> I like, the, I like the uniforms. They're really cool. And actually, I'm, I'm in digging the story. I'm digging the quality because the quality feels very much like a movie. I feel like the epicness and like the massivity of the story feels more like a movie. Mm, I will say like- this though. I have most yeah, television now, though, right, is it's like these yeah. grand scale continuous stories, which I feel like was not the way that television worked when the previous Star Treks were on the air. So they were a little no. bit more. I'm going to use X-Files lingo because that's what I got. Yes. They're a little more monster of the week, even though they aren't really monsters. Uh, right? Like they're standalone yeah. episodes and they aren't mythology episodes that are tied into a full large story. But it, I could see that that would be really rewarding in a Star Trek world to see see that big story. I really mm-hmm. got to watch the new one. I'm also really stoked about fucking the new Picard one. Whenever that happens, Ooh. I can't even handle yeah, it. I, I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm always like, I'm always super crazy and patient about certain things. But like I said, even like, even within the Trek world, I still feel like chronologically, I'm still very unclear. And I feel like that's something I really lack as, as far as my Trekdom and my, mm. my walk in that. That I'm like chronologically, if someone asked me to put it from timeline, from beginning to where it is currently, I feel like I would really blow chunks at that. But it doesn't matter because I'm enjoying this one. And I was really enjoying it. Like my husband, I had to tell him like, dude, we have to go. to We have to be adults. We have to go to bed. You have to turn it off. So I've really enjoyed it. So there you go. What is making you very happy today? Mm, I mean, like in this moment, talking about Star Trek and Star Wars is making me very happy. <laughs> See, what people don't know is that we talk about a lot of business and like layout beforehand. We don't even get to talk about like fun, fun stuff, things. <laughs> fun, fun things, because we're talking about, you know, injusticize. I'm just kidding. Injustice is this. And then like we don't get to talk about like the really cool outfits that they're wearing. On, on yeah. Um, <laughs> now, so so that is very much a happy place in this moment. But my other happy place that I wanted to talk about is seasonal candy, which is just All right, all right. Okay, so here's here's the thing about like I'm not a big candy person. I'm not a big sweets person. I didn't think you were. No, I I'm not. Think was one. I'm not. Like as far as sweets go, I'm pretty I enjoy them and I like them. I'm not a person who's going to like turn down dessert necessarily. Aside from mm-hmm. ice cream, which we'll have to talk about ice cream some other time since we both managed ice cream shops in college. We have a lot Girl. of feelings about ice cream. Um, we have a lot of feelings about that. Has to be like a, that has to be like an extra, like a bonus. They're like, they're not talking about any hard issues. I'm like, we're talking about the corporation of ice cream. Anyway. Right. Uh, so I, I, I love, love ice cream. But aside from that, I'm not like a huge sweets person. But I, I like I like sweets seasonal candy is like where it's at for candy for me like I don't really I don't really like regularly eat candy but when it's a seasonal candy I'm like all about it and I look forward to it so Mm -hmm. in October I'm all about the candy corn and I know it's a very divisive issue in the world a lot of people think candy corn is gross and those people are wrong and dead to me because candy (laughs) corn is wonderful it is quite yummy and because it's February now it's conversation hearts time right conversational hearts (gasps) so Mm -hmm. I love them and I know they're chalky and weird they're super chalky I I love it I love the chalky I don't know why what is does any can you even okay okay I will give you what is in my pocket if you can even identify a flavor that they're supposed to be oh no they have different flavors I mean chalky is like the texture but uh, the different colors have different flavors which is why Uh, 
I bet they do. They do. <laughs> I really like the white ones because they're like vaguely minty vanilla y. I don't know, but they're <laughs> those are the ones like I really like those. The pink ones are like artificial strawberry, which I'm not as into. But mm. I love them. But just this morning, I heard that Neko, who makes conversational hearts and also Neko wafers, which are also very chalky, yeah. they went out of yes. business. They're done. Shut up. Yeah. No. Yeah. What? It's it's not a happy place. <laughs> that's not a happy place. But no, Danny. What? <laughs> yeah, that's it's true. It's a very girl, sad moment but let, for seasonal. But candy. let's be real. Their back stock is probably like. Oh, unreal. I'm sure they'll continue like, to put it out into the world for the next 50 years. But yeah, because <laughs> o- the only people who like Necco wafers are grandmas and me. So <laughs> yeah, it's all about seasonal candy. And so candy corn and conversational hearts are like my big American seasonal candy. When I was in mm. Japan, I was lucky enough that it was Melty Kiss time which is a seasonal candy in Japan, Melty Kiss. There's a whole like story on the inside of the little box for Melty Kiss. It says (gasps) this whole thing, but it's like, it's supposed to be, they only sell them in winter. And it's because the type of chocolate that it it uses is like melts at a really low, like low temperature. So Mm. they only sell them in winter, but like when you put it in your mouth, it starts to melt pretty quickly and it's supposed to like feel like catching a snowflake on your tongue or something. So I I love, I love Melty Kiss also. And I'm almost done with all my Melty Kiss that I brought back from Japan, but that's okay because it's conversational heart time. So on to the next seasonal candy. That's amazing. Japan makes anything beautiful. Honestly, I don't care if that makes me like, that's inappropriate. Or <laughs> it's inappropriate. totally inappropriate, <laughs> like romanticizing Japan. But I, I know I, I, it is. But I find like they, they could, like they just made candy, like a candy sound catching a snowflake on your tongue. I'm like, right? use the I candy. You're giving it. me a sugar high. That's what that that's gorgeous. That's absolutely. So, are you a jelly bean fan? If you like seasonal oh, candy, because it's almost no, jelly bean I time. I don't like like jelly beans. I'm not into jelly beans. Mm, that's it. I only like Jelly Belly. Jelly, any, like the Starburst ones, go, go somewhere else. You are no longer a Jelly Bean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I love all seasonal candies. When was the last okay. fucking time I ate a candy cane? I don't know. Because it's just boring. <laughs> it's pretty boring. I mean, I did like having candy canes when I was a kid, getting them to like a really, really sharp point as you're like sucking oh, on them. Oh, that's the best. I mean, making them like, into weapons honestly. was amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And it really makes me like people think people who've never done it. You've never lived in Albuquerque because those little mini ones, it wouldn't take nearly as long. And you can definitely be in the hallway and just kind of give your friend a little shank in the middle of the hallway. Um, That's just what kind of school we grew up in. Like you would see everybody (laughs) in English, obviously making candy cane shivs about to like jump somebody in the bathroom because it is the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you can't find those razor blades in your hair, at least you could make a a weapon pretty quickly from a candy cane. True story, everybody. True, true story. Um, Now, that's all I'm going to do is think about seasonal candy and been like, oh, what would Danny eat? But, (laughs) oh, that makes me so. That actually does make me, because the thing is, I I like the idea of conversational hearts, especially because they've updated them quite a few times. But, um, yeah, they nasty. But I'm glad you like them because that makes you a unique snowflake that melts on my tongue. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I don't care if anyone else likes them except that you it's... You should because they're out of business. I know, except that it's impacting my life. I mean, I guess I should just stockpile them now. It's sad. Mm-hmm. Do it now. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Should yeah. we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah, I guess we should. We should. We were good girls. Like, I'm looking at the recording. Not not dreadful. Not, not dreadful. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Definitely hit us up. Let us know what you think. You can send us an email. Yes. Biracialunicorns mm-hmm. at gmail.com. You could also find us on social media, which I love. <laughs> no, but... but- <laughs> But I'll, I'll check it. I'll see it, probably. I will. Yeah, I'll check it as well. <laughs> Damika so. will check Facebook. 
Yeah, I will check Facebook. We're on Facebook, Biracial Unicorns. We're also on Instagram, which I do like, at Biracial Unicorns as well. And then let's see, our art was by the amazing Deli Pop Art, who, shout out to her, she drew a picture of us, me with the beautiful green braids or green in it. So I decided to do my hair in green braids. And girl, I look fierce. I Thank know. You, you look amazing. I love it. Did you see? I did. I saw it I in your pictures feeling. from London. I was yeah. like, oh, yes, she has green braids now. And my hair is like entirely mm-hmm. purple now, too. So we look a lot <sighs> like our our uh, logo right now. We need to be together and take this photo. We uh, do. Anyway, uh, one day. One day we'll be together. And um, we also want to thank Joseph Scott of Citizens of Tape City for our intro and outro music. Follow them both obsessively, please. Yes. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Please Mm -hmm. tell your friends to listen. Share, 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 share. Mm -hmm. And comment. And comment. All right. Peace. Out.